Yes. You are now listening to the sounds of Sports Reports is Ordered. And tonight, me and Mr. Logical got more picks. Picks on top of picks on top of picks. It's showdown Saturday. The most ranked or ranked matchup since 2006. It's right now. We're watching the Giants and the 49ers, 17 to 12. Penalties are a muck. Ridiculous. But Mr. Logical, what it do? Yo, once again, want to thank the fans. Everybody tunes in, watches the 2-5 dailies. Everybody comments. Everyone who who sends me messages, uh, we appreciate it greatly. Like I said, we're, we're still... Still moving this thing along. Got a lot of episodes in. Staying consistent. We stay consistent because we want to be consistent to the fans and the people who are watching and listening. So, like I said, respect that. Uh, quick shout out to uh, my son's football team today. They told him yesterday, hey, son, we, listen, we need you to play. So we need you to start a quarterback tomorrow. He was like, I got it. Went out there, threw two touchdowns, beautiful touchdowns, beautiful dots all over the field. Then he ran for one a la Lamar Jackson, shout out to my son, Josiah. Uh, he's like, he he keeps moving teams. There's like three teams in his high school, so he's constantly moving around. Um, but he just, he keeps his head up and he keeps grinding. The coaches recognize it. The players recognize it. He recognizes it. His mom was about to cry. It was great. It was a, it was a, it was a great, it was a great afternoon. Uh, so just want to give a shout out to the Northern Burlington Junior, Northern Burlington Greyhound freshman football team with the victory today. Um five thick force five fumbles i mean they were just all over the place it was it was tenacity on top of tenacity on top of tenacity and that's how you win football games so respect more to them dimes than danny yo you know I'm telling more you dimes than danny. mike saw the highlights mike so mike got i sent mike the highlights they were legit they yeah. were legit highlights so of course ladies and gentlemen it's that time of show where we take it to the chest and we get it off Hit the so, ground running. Yeah, so I was all over the place today. I was mad about so many different things. Why Kyle <laughs> Whittingham won't tell us if Cam Rising is playing or not? You know, why does Brock Purdy get all this credit for throwing screen passes? You know, like just all this stuff was on my mind. I was trying to yo, figure it all yo, out. True story. He was mad about the 1993 National Championship. <laughs> Yes, I was mad about yeah. the 1993 national championship that my team won. My <laughs> team won, and I was still mad. And I'm about to tell y'all why. So, go. like, every time I talk about college football with everybody, because, you know, college football is my baby. It's my favorite sport. Ever since I was, like, six years old, seven years old, I came downstairs, saw the Seminole chant going on that the Atlanta Braves stole and that the Kansas City Chiefs trying to borrow. You know, all this was going on. I saw Deion Sanders. I was the original Deion fan when they was out here making music videos, rapping, and then got shut up by Miami, and I was still here. But when I look at college football, like, one of the beautiful things about the sport is this sentiment that every week matters. It's a lie. It's a lie because just like in 1993 when Notre Dame beat Florida State head-to-head, -head, but somehow Florida State won the national title, somehow in 1999 when Oklahoma won the national title because they played Florida State even though Florida State lost to Miami who lost to Washington. As we bring it present day, 
last week, and you know, like, don't nobody call me bias after this. So the Tennessee Volunteers went into Gainesville, you know, ranked top 12 in the country to play against those shitty Gators, and the Gators ran the ball down their throat. Yes, sir, may I have another? You know, they got into the fisticuffs during the kneel downs and all this kind of stuff. SEC rivalry, we love it, right? Florida beat them by 13 points. So then I look at the top 25, you know, all the stuff. And I know the playoffs are going to figure it out later. But, you know, this is what we got right now. You know, Florida is still behind Tennessee in the polls. Now, granted, they weren't ranked. This is my question. So, one, Tennessee's victories were against Austin P and Virginia. Florida had went out to Salt Lake City and got dominated by a backup quarterback. And then they won a game against McNeese State. So they beat Tennessee. Now, with that being said, is it possible that Tennessee isn't as good as we thought? Two, if Florida, if that victory was good enough to get Florida ranked, why would you rank them behind the team that they just dominated? Now, some people say things like, well, the preseason polls came out. You know, you can't drop a team from like 12 to out of the poll, all that kind of stuff like that. Yes, you can. It's called checking your ego. Just because you thought Tennessee was something that they're not does not mean that they get the benefit. Because then what happens, right? They still got to play Georgia. They still got to go to Bama. They still got to play AM. They still got to play Kentucky. And this is how you end up with eight and four teams in your top 25 because they play in the SEC. Even though we know, we saw the ACC is four and one coming into last weekend against the SEC. You know, we saw Ole Miss uh, beat Georgia Tech last week, you know, but the, the SEC does not have a winning record against the rest of the Power Five. But all it takes is for Tennessee to win the next couple of games you know, beat AM. And then before I blink, Tennessee's going to be like 11. They're going to go to Bama, you know, probably get their asses painted burnt orange. And then they're going to fall to like 14 because they lost to Alabama. And then you just keep regurgitating, regurgitating, regurgitating to keep so that at the end of the season, when LSU finishes if they finish you know 11 and 1 they get to the sec title game against georgia you're gonna say well they beat ranked bama who beat ranked tennessee they beat a&m who lost to miami by the way but a&m beat arkansas and then arkansas beat auburn so on so forth you know like why do we have rankings right now like october 1st give us the rankings or i'll do you one better don't rank nobody until it's time for the playoff ranking to come out because that's the only ranking that matters anyway. The only reason that the AP still exists is so I can do what I'm doing right now. But it's fine because I was just fine starting out to talk about. True, true. Uh, Mike knows all the reasons why. He just doesn't like the reasons. Fuck the reasons. He knows, <laughs> he knows why it gets ranked that way. He knows why the story is built one way. He knows that... A loss early. The Missouri, okay, real quick. Just, just so, just so, just, one more real quick. Just so everybody don't think I'm banging on the SEC. You know, Missouri 
knocked off number 15 Kansas State last week. And they didn't get into the top 25. And they have spots. Hold up, hold up. And Missouri has something that Florida doesn't have. They have a zero in the loss column. So, 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 like, if you can't, if you can't get ranked by being number by beating number fifteen versus you beat a team and you're still ranked behind them, go ahead and get it off your chest, man. I'm good. I mean, like I said, I like I feel you on it, but in order to in order to keep the narrative going and keep the storyline going and keep it interesting, you need you need little tidbits because if it simply was a matter of, all right, you best twenty boxers go out and fight. It's like okay, these you get ten fights out of these twenty boxers, but if I can rank you guys and say okay, you are the top dog to beat. That means anybody that fights you is going to draw more attention, is going to sell more seats and tickets, is going to draw attention, is going to draw. So you got to create the narrative. Like, listen, I'm not a fan of reality TV. Sports are my reality TV. And even with sports and everything we have going on, like I said, I, I had a great time today at my son's football game. They play on the same size field as professional NFL players. But there's no drama and narratives and storylines with them other than these young men are having the time in their lives playing football. Shout out to Varsity Blues. Uh, but in NFL, it can't just be, yo, these dudes are playing well inside the painted lines. It has to be something else. It has to be who's going to get comeback player of the year, who's going to be the MVP, who's going to win coach of the year, who's going to get fired, who's going to get the contract. Everything is like all these other things outside of the painted lines. But sometimes that stuff outside the painted lines affecting the things inside the painted lines bother me. Case in point, the NFL MVP rankings preseason and during the season and the conversations in the offseason are so boring and ridiculous. And then on top of that, they're just you can't even justify it to me with words. And people are like, oh, what do you mean? Because, you know, so-and-so is having a great year. Cool. Are you going to say Tua is having a great year? He has four touchdowns, two picks. He throws it to Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill does all the running. Baker Mayfield has more touchdowns and no interceptions. Uh, but Tua Tungavailoa is plus 500 to win MVP. So that means you bet $100 on him, and he wins it. You get your $100 back plus 500 more. Baker Mayfield is... Plus 15,000 at this point in the season. They played two games. His numbers are better. Uh, I give you a guy like TJ Watt. Defensive player already turned a uh, TD for a touchdown and a, and a victory. Got a couple of sacks in that game. He is plus 12,000. Tua is ahead of Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is one and one. They didn't look – they only scored 17 points against Jacksonville, and they lost week one at home. Okay, so he's second. But then we get Josh Allen, Jalen Hurst, Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow had 82 passing yards in his first game. 82. <laughs> and he's 0-2. And he's 0-2. So he went 82 yards and lost, and then, what, a couple hundred yards and an injury – 
and lost game two. He's ahead of Dak Prescott, who's undefeated. They're both ahead of Brock Purdy. Derek Carr, Jared Goff, you get down to 14 before you get Christian McCaffrey as a first non-quarterback in MVP odds. And then right after Christian McCaffrey is Jordan Love, then Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill's on pace for like 2,700 yards receiving. <laughs> Justin Jefferson, yo, let's, let's highlight him. He's behind Geno Smith. Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Jimmy Garoppolo. Kenny Pickett's ahead of TJ Watt. Kenny Pickett looked awful. They needed two defensive touchdowns. They have four turnovers from Cleveland, and Kenny Pickett could do nothing with this. You got Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter's ahead of Aaron Donald, Nick Bosa. <laughs> Travis Kelsey and Sam Darnold had the same odds. So all I'm saying is this. Get rid of the MVP award and just call it best quarterback and most impactful player or something because the MVP there's no value there's never an offensive lineman on here a wide receiver has never won it think about wide receivers that won the Heisman but yet they can come to NFL and they they're never the MVP Devontae Smith won the Heisman with Mac Jones throwing the ball with all these weapons around, but they still recognize, like, okay, the Heisman trophy goes to Devontae Smith. He is the, the the piece that gets Mac Jones over the edge. And these guys get to the NFL, and they completely forget that Tua has to throw the ball to someone. Patrick has to throw the ball to someone. Jalen Hurts is, like, it's just the war, the narrative is, like, I don't care about the story about how two was coming back from the injury he had last year. And that makes him MVP. How did you perform? Cause it was for years that Russell Wilson didn't get an MVP vote. And he had been to two Super Bowls, and he had and never I, gotten a vote. I thought he should have got one MVP at least, at least one, at least some votes. He didn't get a vote. So it was like, what are you, what are you looking at? What are you, what are you looking for? So I figured NFL, I mean, you got the storyline. You got everything else that you need. Face ID so I can get back to these odds. But just scrap it. Just scrap it all together. Or just call it the most valuable quarterback award. Mm-hmm. Just flat out, just just do it like, like the college does it, where they have all these awards for all these different positions, and then just have the most valuable quarterback award. Because right now, that's that's what it seems to be with – Jordan Love having the same eyes as Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> so, and uh, you know, we got the San Francisco 49ers kicking the field goal to take a 11 point lead. It's up and it's good. So, 23 to 12, San Francisco. They just started the fourth quarter not too long ago. So, you know, Giants still have a chance to make a move. But yeah, like uh, at this point, like you see that. That was the argument in college, but then Devontae Smith won. You know, we've seen Mark Ingram win it, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, Reggie Bush, you know. Reggie Bush what, won it. I don't care Vince what they Young say. Vince Young should have got it's it. Still his, it's still uh, – Vince Young. Vince Young was uh, carrying Texas that year. I could, I could Reggie see, Bush, I could see Reggie Bush's numbers were crazy. I know. He was on a crazy okay. squad. Vince could, Young was it. the squad. Okay. It's it's one of those things for me. Like, I, I agree with that. I can, I can agree with that. Like, it's one of those things that Reggie Bush was so great that I don't have a problem with him winning the Heisman. 
Yeah, but yeah, like like Vince is probably the yeah. yeah Vince Young is probably more the just like just like when we talk about the NBA. I used to, I was on the Chris Paul train for you know some years. Like he should be the MVP, but he don't. Steve score Nash enough. it back. Yeah, yeah, Steve yeah. Nash winning it back to back was like, nah, we can't do this. Yeah, because I like, thought Chris it. Paul had an argument the year he was in Oklahoma City. Like the one MVP but they were trying that, to think. Yeah, the one MVP that Kobe got. I thought Chris Paul should have had, and Kobe should have had two other ones though. But yeah, so you Kobe know, got his because they gave one of one of the Steve one Nash. of his the Nash, yeah. So they it was a um, I owe you this, you yeah. know. But but yeah, so you know, talking about the MVP, you know, now it's time to talk about some picks. You know, like uh, so far, I think I won, I won. I think I won for one. You know, said I don't think you are. I got San Francisco. Oh, you talking about for this week? Okay. Yeah. But yeah, 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 yeah. I got San Francisco as well. You know, I did the preview on two five daily. I picked twenty three to ten. It's twenty three to twelve right now, so I don't know how that's gonna go. But uh, but yeah. So I'm just going in the order of how I wrote the games down from my app. So there's no method to it. You know, we just okay. gonna go in order. I so got them all I, written down paragraph form. So we all to go. right. You know, what I'm saying and then you can keep track because I know you like to be like. He's going to pick this. He's going to pick this. So, uh, but I am going to pick Buffalo over the commanders. Um, I think Washington can cover the six and a half. Uh, but Sam Hall is going to have to let go of the ball. He's just holding on to it way too long. That's why they fall behind 21 to three to Denver. That's why they struggle with Arizona because he becomes a sitting duck because the offensive line isn't a strength of the team. Uh, going up against Buffalo, the good news is. Chase Young and the guys were getting pressure on Russell Wilson last week. They got some pressure on Arizona in week one. So theoretically, they could get some pressure on Josh Allen and perhaps force some mistakes. I just don't think they have anybody that can stop Stephon Diggs, for one. I think that uh, Buffalo, you know, they ran 482 yards against the Raiders last week. So if they're going to stick to the balance game, then I think they can keep that pass rush on their toes long enough to get some timely scores. So I still think a close game, something along the lines of 27 to 23. Okay. I like that. I like that pick. But when you said uh, you don't think you can stop Stefan Diggs, it made me think of something that uh, Kobe said. They would find out like who was in contract negotiations and they would double the guy that just got paid. Uh-huh. And let the guy that's trying to get his contract. No, what was it? What was it? They would double the guy. They would let the guy who just got paid play one on one. And they would double, double the guy, the trying, guy to earn it. Yeah. trying to get his contract. So when they go to the bench during timeouts, the guy who wants his money would argue and yell at the guy that got paid. Pulling like, the, the Antonio the Brown, huh? <laughs> so he's like, yo, give me the ball. They're like, yo, you doubled. So you talk about you don't know if they're gonna stop be able to stop Stefan Diggs. I say just double him and leave Gabe Davis wide open like every third down. No, nah, because Gabe Davis will burn him too. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe like, not. I don't think you or checked bracket. out that secondary <laughs> or bracket or bracket Stefan Diggs so he don't even get a target. Even if they the ball keeps going, he doesn't get the target. Yeah. And then when they kick the field goal and they go to the sideline, you do it every drive. I, yeah. I think if being to me was if, if if he was thinking like Sun Tzu, you know what I mean, he would, he would do that. But like I picked Buffalo because I think that I mean I just think the, the defensively 
They're just a better team. Howell's young. I know that Washington's averaging something like 27 and a half points on the season. All these averages and stuff like that, I'm going to give it six weeks, four to six weeks before I start saying, oh, they're the best in scoring defense. Like Dallas is, you know, like we'll talk about them, but they score 70 points of giving up 10. It's like they're not going to only give up 100 and or at this point, 85 points on the season. Like that's not going to be the math. So I came like, right. oh, they're only giving up five points a game. Like, right. If they're if they're still only giving up five points a game or seven points a game come October, like mid October, I'm like okay, this might be the standard. So there's they're putting up points to Washington. I think Sam Howell looks confident, which I think is key in quarterback play. I think some of these young quarterbacks aren't playing with the same level of confidence. A lot of these second year guys that started late, like you know you got Ritter and then you got Jordan Love playing. Now he's like in his third year, but I think he's playing with confidence. It's just I just think that the Buffalo has the weapons, they have the talent, and they and they have the the more physical quarterback who is kind of the the engine of the team. So I think Buffalo is gonna pull that one off. Like 20, think, 27, 20 sounds about sounds like a good score. Yeah, I think I think Sam Howell, I think Josh Allen is what they're trying to turn Sam Howell into, or at least that's what Sam Howell thinks he is. He seems a little small. He's smaller though. He's, yeah, he is small. He plays like, like that. It's one, two fifteen, something like that. Someone that ran six two, listed you know, at six two. He, he he plays like that though for some reason, you know. And then we got the first playoff game of the season. Happening up in Minneapolis, you know, uh, the Chargers and the Vikings, because the loser is probably not making the playoff. The loser is probably, you know, they're still alive. It's still early in the season, but coming back from 0-3 is hard, especially when if it's the Chargers, you haven't even played Kansas City yet, and you're already 0-3, you know, um, and you might split with Denver at the very least. You know, you still got Buffalo. You still got Dallas. So that 0-3 becomes real thin uh, margin for error. You still got your two Raiders games, too. So, like, they still have their whole division open. Yeah, yeah. whereas there's Minnesota goes 0-2, you know what I mean? They're in the north, you know. So, you know, can Jordan Love maintain how he's been playing all season? Is Detroit for real? These are still questions that, you know, we have. So Minnesota could probably afford the loss more than the Chargers. You know, I'll say that neither one wants to lose, but but Both I'm gonna pick, on the table. Yeah, but this is one of those games. This is one of those specials where I'm going with the home team. Um, I'm picking Minnesota. Um, we talked about luck last or Tuesday. We talked about luck where uh, the Chargers haven't turned the ball over yet. You know, Minnesota had six lost fumbles. So I think this is just one of those games where. It's a perfect storm. I don't know where the Chargers mentality is after all the Staley talk. And, you know, Austin Eckler called them out after week one. And then they come back and I don't even know if Austin Eckler is playing this week. So when he doesn't play, I don't pick the Chargers. So for the time being, I'm going with Minnesota. Minnesota's a good pick. I like that pick. I like it because Kirk Cousins relationship with Justin Jefferson, Hawkinson, and now Jordan Addison just making plays. They think they acquired Cam Akers this yeah. week. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he, he'll be ready to play Sunday, but I imagine today's Thursday. I'm pretty sure they can figure it out. Uh, I just think that they'll be able to, if they get down 10-3, if they have a bad first quarter, I think they will be able to overcome it 
and, and perform because keep in mind, they only lost to Philly by a possession. Granted, it was, you know, a late touchdown, but he threw four touchdowns against Philly's defense last week with that front. The Chargers have had problems from a leadership standpoint since last season. I believe Eric Mangini I saw on uh, First Things First, he brought this up, and I remember seeing it. They went for it on, on their side of the field, and Keenan Allen was home. He didn't travel with the team, and he tweeted, "What? What the fuck are we doing?" <laughs> exactly. He didn't say that what was, the hell. He said yeah. that. And then <laughs> last, then you know, Austin Eckler called out the coaching, saying the coaching hasn't been you know up to par. And then Staley, this Debo dude, man, like just just what you were talking about. Yeah. So then Staley gets up there and he's, he's like hurt. all emotional and frustrated and you know about everything. So it's like. They get down 10-3, they might shut it down. Durham James might do some slick. And that's this dude's ridiculous. Yeah, he's hurt though. He ain't got up yet. Did he go face first into the ground? I'm not sure. I'm gonna have to look at it again. Balls on his but, stomach looks like. But go ahead, like, you were talking about, yeah, talking about so, Durham James. Yeah. So Durham James, that's how you get like these these penalties. We talk about the Colorado State game. It's like sometimes if the if the coach doesn't really have a grip on the players because the players are equally talented. Some guys are a notch above, but for the most part, most teams are built pretty equal with a few exceptional mm-hmm. players. If you can't wrangle in your exceptional players, because your exceptional players impact the locker room in a matter that a coach can't. And if you can bring them in, keep them locked in, because it's plenty of times I'm pretty sure Jordan Jefferson was thinking like, why don't Kirk just give me this damn ball? Like a couple of those games where he's triple team. But then he'll come out the next week and have 180 yards receiving, you know. So you can just tell, like, they they bounce back better than the Chargers. I think this could be a bad loss. And, you know, Kellen Moore might be a head coach. Yeah, maybe. Like, it's, you know. it, 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 I don't, I, I wouldn't, I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to, you know, leverage that upon some, this man and his family and make the move or whatever the case may be. But I think it could be a situation where that 27 to 0 lead that they had if he just would have lost that playoff game in regular fashion it's like hey, this is this young team first time making the playoffs you're on the road you lost to a team that is on up and they're on the rise this is going to be your matchup for years but when you had them you had them pretty much at the at a nine count and they stood up and came back and knocked you out so yeah yeah i got um, that one and i do like the coaching matchup just because they were both in la on the rams together so you know like little cat and mouse checkers chess and all that, you know, see how well would they know each other? Like how, how well they know each other's tendencies, that type of thing. Uh, then, you know, we take it to Lambeau, you know, we got the ain'ts going to go play the Packers. So I went back and forth on this one, you know, the saints, I know like Mr. Logical just went on his thing about, I'm not going to pay attention to the stats, but you know, the stats are what I have right now. So, you know, uh, the Saints are number one in red zone defense. But the problem is they played the Titans and the Panthers. Hence so why I, you don't pay attention to the you know, stats. It's not, not enough. It's not enough yet. It's not hey, enough it's, it's what we got right now. And it, it is conversation. It's, it's conversation. You know, Jordan Love, Green Bay should have won that game in Atlanta last week. You know, they they they, 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 they laid down. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. It is what it is. But but you know but um I'm going with the home team you know um Aaron Jones still hasn't practiced but Christian Watson has been a limited participant 
Uh, Jamal Williams looks like he's going to miss the game for the Saints. Uh, Kendra Miller has been nursing a hamstring, so Tony Jones may get to start at running back for the Saints because Kamara is on his last game of suspension this week. You know, at Lambeau, I think I'm going to go with the Packers on this one. Yeah, we're starting to uh, – at some point we'll pick a different team. But oh, yeah, no, got, we got – oh, we got some different ones coming up. Trust me, we okay. do. I, trust uh, me, we do. Yeah, it looks like football. It would be 2-5 if football. we didn't. Yeah. Yeah, he just he just landed on – looked like he landed on the football on his elbow. Uh, yeah. yeah, I got I have Green Bay. Um, I like New Orleans. I like Derek Carr. I just don't – I don't think they utilize the weapons that they have. Properly, and why they, you know, like they barely. I think they had like 17 points week one, and then I'm gonna say they struggle with Carolina because I think Carolina has a solid defense. Young quarterback is gonna pretty much cost them, not cost them games. It's just he's not gonna be able to make the plays you need. Like just a couple of those drives where you need that third and seven converted, it just won't happen. So when you play a game against a young quarterback in the second week, and now you're going on the road, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give Green Bay the edge. I think they left plays on the field in Atlanta. Uh, I liked the interaction I saw at the end of the game between Jordan Love and Matt LaFleur. And you could tell it was like, yeah, you're, 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 you're chipping away at it. Um, we got we to gotta unleash you a little bit more. And I think he kind of looked like, okay, yeah, I held. Because they had a 12-point lead going to the fourth. And I think that he just probably tightened up a little bit. And, he's, and he and when he, he said he was pretty, you could tell his tone, like his body, his body language was very apologetic to Jordan Miguel. Hey, we got this next week type. Like let's yeah. let's bury this. Let's go on next week. And I think I think you're, you're going to see, and then especially if, if if Christian Watson's back, you're going to see him air it out a little bit more and like just really really you know start his MVP race. I guess since you know he's twentieth. Yeah. And then of course next Thursday, Green Bay in Detroit. You know, so, you know, keep your eye out for that one. Speaking of Detroit. So I came into this. We were going to disagree because I was going to pick Detroit over Atlanta. But then, you know, I saw that Amon Ross St. Brown may not play and that Detroit has two hurt offensive linemen as well. And then I thought about one Calais Campbell and the feast. You know, it's not Thanksgiving yet. Six foot eight, three. Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to pick Atlanta. Um, last week was probably very confidence building because I know, you know, as we were messaging and you were going in about how Desmond Ritter was the worst thing on the planet, you know, Perfect. Desmond right. Ritter. I'll fix. I'll clarify that when he's done. Keep going. You know, Desmond God. Ritter, I, and, and I told you, I just don't like Art Smith. But, you know, I think pulling out that game against Green Bay the way that they did, I think will bring a new element of confidence to Ritter and to the offense in general. And maybe they'll open up a little bit, but um, everything being equal, I would have probably picked Detroit. But once I saw the injury news, I decided to go with Atlanta. Yeah, of, of course. I mean, I picked Atlanta, but if, if I felt like there was no chance or whatever, I, I'd be honest. But yeah. I think Atlanta's a good shot in this game. I do. I did like the plays that Ritter made towards the end of the game. I liked that Arthur Smith went for it with like a minute or so left on fourth and short, 
because he could have kicked the field goal there, but he would have given the ball back to Green Bay for like a minute and 40 something seconds left after the field goal, only being up one point. Because they would they would have kicked the field goal, they, they would have gone up 25, 24, and then they would have kicked it back and they would have over a minute. So I like the fact that he didn't didn't play scared. He went for it, got the first down, kept going, and then it was fourth down inside like the 10. He, you know, short amount of time left, kicked the field goal. My my argument and my uh frustration with the Ritter Smith combo is like I talked to someone earlier today and I broke it down like this. When Jared Goff and Sean McVay got together. You can tell that McVay's playbook and Goff's ability married up. So even though Goff hadn't shown much under Jeff Fisher, you knew when he had Sean McVay's playbook, he was like, okay, he can make he can make these throws. I'm about to see it a little behind. All right. So I'll I'll see it in the, in my my monitor here. He can make the throws that he needs. The thing with the I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Huh. Touchdown. Look at that. Debo Samuel. Not a screen uh, pass. Yo, Brock Purdy. <laughs> Brock Purdy I know, I know, yeah. I know, I know. Uh, so Ritter and Arthur Smith, at some point, one of them is going to need to be like, yo, we need to take this shot down the field or we need to spread out and take these multiple. On this drive, we need to go hurry up, take these shots. And it seems like both of them are content with literally they were snapping the ball with less than six seconds on the play clock the whole second quarter. Like they were never in a hurry up. I'm like, you're probably like the youngest offense in the league and you're never in a hurry up. And that's what's sitting there like the defense knows now. You're at five seconds. You can't make any more adjustments. This is what you're going to run. But if you get it at 20 seconds, 16 seconds, snap it and go. You might catch somebody in their heels, but at five seconds, like I'm ready to go. So that's the thing is like I don't think that either one of them is going to be able to get the other one to open up. The you know what helps you open it up when Johnson Gardner is on injury reserve? That helps you open it up. You would think. So that's another injury. Think. That's what I'm saying. That's another injury. I, you know? It was the it was the game. Um, the first week and the a corner went out for uh. Carolina, yeah, for Carolina, they're they're cornered. JC was out, was up, and even the commentators was like, uh, "Well, the corner's out for the rest of the game. They should take a shot here, and they just never did." And it's like, yeah, at some point you're gonna have to do it. But so like I said, I, the run game defense, I'm taking Atlanta. So I'm gonna ride my guys down in Nashville. Pause. You know, the Titans over the Browns. You know, Nick Chubb, the heart of the offense. They brought Kareem Hunt back. You know, um, you know, we'll see if he plays or not. But Jerome Ford looked good Monday night. I don't know if it was just the Steelers run defense, but he came in the game. And even though he went to Cincinnati, he was running like a SEC back, you know, but uh <laughs> don't do well in the league, you know that Trent you know, but but uh well Tennessee's got a SEC back that does well in the league, and Cleveland's gonna get a full dose of him. So I'm, picking to, so I'm picking to I'm picking Tennessee over Cleveland. Tennessee is probably I'm picking them just because I watched Cleveland and they were just like sloppy with the ball. Um oh here's another one of those here's another one of those stats that you don't want to hear. Let's hear it. You know, Tennessee has given up the most passing yards in the first two games of the season. 
But guess what? Deshaun Watson ain't going to throw it. He got two face mask penalties. He's still, like, he's still it's weird. He looks like, rusty. I like, think I saw Nick Wright today. Uh, he he said something that I was going to say tonight, so I'm kind of upset because I wanted to say it. But basically, like the thought being, if he ain't got it back by now, it's not coming. You know, uh, like 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 Deshaun. I had high hopes that when he came back last year, um, not that he would hit the ground running, but definitely by now he would look sort of similar to what we remember. And he still looks like a rookie trying to pick up the playbook right now. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what Cleveland does in their passing game. I'm like, they have the weapons. They have Njoku. They normally keep a couple of good tight ends. They have they got a Mari Cooper offensive line. They got a Mari Cooper. Uh, I know Peoples they, Jones. Peoples Jones. They, they had the 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 wide receiver to speed. Elijah guy. Moore. Elijah Moore, they picked him up from the Jets. It's like you have these weapons. It's very similar to Chicago. It's like you have these weapons. Like you're you should be in there with a Sharpie or just a dry race board, just making up plays on the sidelines. Cause like I have so much talent at the wide receiver position that it'll just work. And it just doesn't seem and like I said, I don't know if it's if it's the coach, the coach and the quarterback not really seeing eye to eye. If he wants to be conservative, maybe Baker Mayfield was on to something like, yo, like you are calling this game like you are trying to get fired. And like <laughs> they can fire you anyway. Like, cause it because if you if you think about it, I mean, for Baker Mayfield, Jacoby Brissett, and now Deshaun Watson is like your offense has real weapons. Uh as get put those same put a Mark Cooper, Donovan Peoples Jones, Elijah Moore with Mac Jones. How's that offense look? I mean, like, same thing with, like, Clay, we'll talk about this with Chicago, Claypool, Mooney, and DJ Moore with a guy like, and you moved into Minnesota with those three weapons and Jefferson was in Chicago. Jefferson wouldn't look the same way in Chicago as he does in Minnesota. So that's the thing with Cleveland. Like, you have the weapons, but don't seem to make it work. I don't know if the Kareem Hunt's going to come back and be joyous because I know he was pissed off at everybody because he wanted to leave and they wouldn't trade him. So I don't know, is he coming back just because he's like he wants to prove a point so he can get out of there later, or what? So I got Tennessee just because I think Vrabel is just a better coach. What are we looking at? Is, what's the weird? I don't understand the personal foul there. Like so, oh. Slayton makes a catch near the sideline. He's getting tackled. Greenlaw comes across, gives him an extra hit while he's in bounds. Did the whistle blow? I'm not sure because I'm on mute and everything. I but, on mute too. but I'm not sure. But I was just trying to figure out, like, because the hit, like, he was in bounds. He was way in bounds. You know, that's why I was trying to figure out, like, you know, unless they were trying to say he was in the grasp. But so what? It's called okay. gang tackling. You teach uh, okay. it at, you teach it to six year olds. <laughs> okay. 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 So continuing well, on. <laughs> continuing every referee, on. Referee, listen, we, every every doctor and every referee on both did at their job. We, we don't we don't necessarily have to get into this one because I'm sure we'll both just go, yeah, Jacksonville's gonna beat Houston. You know, yeah, uh, but you know what? That's gonna be the upset of the weekend. Hey, just CJ Stroud, 384 yards last no week. interceptions. And and you know what? You know what? Jacksonville won the division last year. And Houston won three games last year, and they split the season series last year. You know, uh, Houston 
seems to – I think they're 4-1 or something along those lines against Jacksonville since Trevor Lawrence got drafted. So it's just one of those things, but I'm picking Jacksonville. The trap game. I'm picking Jacksonville too. All right. Are right, you ready to disagree now? I bet you we're going to agree. No, I think we're going to disagree. I think we're going to disagree. What you think, America? Here we go. You ready? Get the drum ready. Give me the Jets. Yeah, we definitely disagree. See, told you. I knew it was coming. We definitely disagree on that. Give me the Jetropolitans. Why? I need to hear this. Because the Patriots got no weapons. That defense is going to come out like a buzzsaw. And I went. Anywhere is number two for the Jets. That's their weapon. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. He's so last year, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. Because last year, you know, in the second game that they played against each other, Zach Wilson started. He went nine for 22 and had 77 yards. You know how that game ended? 10-3 on the yeah, – Yep, that was the punt return where they didn't call the penalty or whatever, like all that stuff. So, so I just feel, I just feel like. But you got to keep in mind, Matt Patricia was calling plays last year. He was, he definitely was, you know. But I also think that, like I mentioned the other day, Matt Jones has looked better than I think either one of us has given him credit for previously. You know, like we thought we were kind of out on Matt Jones. He looks, he looked a lot better these first two games, you know. So, but. You know, Philly brought the pressure, you know, from that standpoint. You know, Miami has a pretty decent defense. But the Jets may be the best defense in the league. So I need Mac Jones to show me this against the Jets, first of all. Second of all, Brees Young, you know, is going to... 23 and a half points. Or Brees Hall, I should say. Who, the Jets? Yeah, they're giving up 23 and a half points. Oh, come on. You know half of that was last week. Stop it. You know what I mean? Like you, you're the one. Hold up, I'm yeah, not going to look at these stats. I'm, I'm not, not going to look at these stats. stats. I, but, I but, think, I think the Jets be. I think the Jets' top defense storyline is we're going to say it every week. And the reason certain defenses are top defenses it isn't because they have just playmakers that make plays every single drive. Is that they put the offense in position to succeed. And then, in turn, it puts pressure on the opposing offense. So the the early the Ravens teams and all these teams with top defenses, they get you to turnover at the fifty. They get you to three and like out. The they give you the ball back. They, yeah, they <laughs> give you the ball back. So then it gives you opportunity for guys like Flacco, Purdy. Well, uh, well that's kind of the to thing, just though. Take shots I mean... at the end zone and get points because once you go up seven ten zero, now the defense doesn't have to worry about the pass or the run. The reason that like, top defenses a lot of times have, like we'll, we'll talk about with like, the Rams in the Patriots Super Bowl. They they were like, you know what? We are not going to give this opportunistic defense a chance to change the momentum. So the Patriots, they play to that no matter what. I think Bill Belichick doesn't mind it being 3-3 because he's like, I my team's not going to make the mistake that the other team will, i.e. punting it down the middle of the field at the end of the game where you can just punt it to the you, side. You know the last time the Gentropolitans beat the Pats? Uh, was Obama president? It was 2015. <laughs> yes. We yes, it was, week, it was week 17 of 2015. 
you know. Uh, but yeah, I just I just think that for the most their part, their defense isn't good enough to overcome the fact that the offense will move the ball nowhere. It's tough. Like like I use, use example. Did they or did they not beat Buffalo? Yeah, they beat Buffalo. And Buffalo also is Buffalo or is Buffalo is not better? Throw. Is, is Buffalo Mac- better or not, not better than New England? They're not better than New England. They're not better coached in New England. They don't execute better than New England. Look, you they see have- this? That's my gavel. Yeah, that's your <laughs> gavel. And I'm about to go ahead and take that gavel, dip it in liquid nitrogen, shatter it because they are not a better coach team. They don't operate better than New England. They never have. They have more talent currently that allows them to do things like just heave the ball deep because Josh Allen has a cannon. But as far as like executing the game, you think Mac Jones is going to get a chance to throw three picks? He might throw two. If he throws two, they're going to be like, stop throwing it to wherever that guy is. And we're just going to run. Give me that third string running back and that we find. The Jets are going to stack the box and say, but I dare you to run. The Jets, the Jets, it doesn't matter if you can't move the ball offensively. This is, it's only this so is much going to be that same type of game. You know what I mean? I, like, I got the Jets losing by double digits. Okay. 20 to 3, 20 to 6. It's just exactly. See, I told you we was going to disagree. He plays. If you think about this, Tua didn't look great against New England. Jalen Hurts didn't look great against New England. One guy just went to the Super Bowl. The other guy is the media darling to be MVP. And both of their teams beat New England by a combined total of 12. The Jets do not have the quarterback to put the pressure on New England's defense. They're going to smother him. It's, it's, he's, he might get benched. I think if they gonna have a competent backup. I don't think I so. Think, I think they're going to smother each other. I don't think so. I don't, th- I don't think the def- I don't think the Jets defense is going to get a break. All right. Let's I don't see think, here. I think they're going to be on the field for 10, 11 plays. They're going to run the ball down their throat because as soon as they come off the field, doing is going to have 11 play drive. They might kick a field goal, come back out there. Zach Wilson's going to go three and out. Doing is going to come right back out. Another nine, 10 play six or seven runs. Oh, it's going to so be one of those games where like, I'm thinking like, I don't Bill think Bill we're, like, like like we're going to, I don't think we're going to see Tim Boyle, you know, uh, Hey, but, uh, listen, he was with Nathaniel Hackett in Green Bay for a couple of years. So we'll he see. knows the playbook. We'll see. Me, like Zach Hey, Wilson. Tyler Buckner knows the playbook. <laughs> hey. <laughs> but here we go. Here we go. I think we got a I think we got another disagreement here just based on what you said the other day, something that you said the other day. I like let's see. Disagree. It's very, let's, it's, let's, let's, this is how you disagree, America. We 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 use facts. We we use facts over feelings. I like when we disagree because we can articulate why I think this way versus why you think this way. So beautiful. Right, let's see if we right let's out. see if we got this disagreement because I think you said something the other day that tipped me off. But I'm taking Miami over Denver. I'm taking Miami also. Oh come on! The other day you I said think, you were taking Denver. No, I don't. Tr- I don't. I. I, I looked when at we, a when replay. we were talking about the zero two teams. Uh, you know, the other day, like no, I, 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 I said that they need to beat Miami. If not, they're gonna be like they could potentially be in the zero six hole, and that could. I think the whole team. See now, this is the game that, like how you said, uh, the Texans and the Jaguars, where you were like, "Watch, this is gonna be the upset of the week." I feel like this could be the upset of the week for that reason, just because De- Denver is desperate. You know, as much as we think Sean Payton is overrated, 
you know, we both think that. But as much as we yeah. think that, you know, this is the prime game for him to win to get everybody talking about him again. That's what. That's that's. I hate the NFL I'm, sometimes. <laughs> the reason I like Miami in this game because it football at its core is a game, and if you're having fun, you play loose. Like I had a friend of mine. Uh, he said he went he went to test for staff sergeant um, back in the day, like '03. And he was like, man, there's no way I'm going to make it. But in the Air Force, they give you the day off before. So you're supposed to get your last minute right. study in. Right. Well, he was testing on a Friday. It was Thursday, Thursday at the NCO club on base. So him and another guy went out and just got drunk. And when I got drunk, rolled into the test next morning. They're still kind of geeked up, laughing and joking or whatever the case may be. So before the test get a handout, you could talk, you communicate. He's like him and his boy just in there just having a laugh. Everyone's laughing and joking and joking and just laughing. And then you take the first part of the test, you get a break, and you take you come back, take the second part. He said after the second part, a couple of people in the class came, a couple of people that were testing came up to him and was like, yo, man, you really helped me out because I was so tense because I really want to make staff that you two just cracking so many jokes. I just lightened up. He was like, yeah. so when I sat down to take the test, I just felt I felt more calm because I was laughing up until the time they they gave us our test. He said, instead of sitting there quietly in this awkward silence, he was like, he's like, man, you really helped me out. That dude ended up making staff. So it was like that kind of like laughter and everything else. Like the highlight of that I saw that just let me know, like Denver is done is from last year. This, the, the Indianapolis Colts game when Hamler ran the slant and Russell Wilson threw it to Sutton underneath and Hamler mm -hmm. was wide open. And he took his helmet off and slammed it. That was like week four. Yeah, that was like that was weird too because like it was way too much animosity towards a quarterback that early. Well, well especially especially a quarterback of Russell Wilson's magnitude. A couple of Super Bowls. Like like yeah, you see that with Zach they Wilson. Don't like like you, you know, like you brought up Zach you, Wilson. You, you, you see you, that with Nathan Peterman. You see it with right. Derek Carr, maybe. Right. They don't like him. Mark Slayer said this. I was watching Colin Coward. He was like. I've been trying to he because he, he's like I do like he does a, a Denver radio show. Right. And Colin Cowher is like, are you are you giving people that like, optimism? You know, Russell Wilson. Well, he's like, listen, I'm trying to feed it to him. They just don't want to eat it. Well, that, well, that was a uh, they conversation I had. They don't like him. They said they don't. Well, like, was, the people in Denver don't like Russell. They well, that was a like conversation that I had earlier. That was the conversation that I had earlier because you know me and you have been talking about is Russ. Like, is his decline or whatever as bad as everybody makes it seem? I don't think it is. And I was making that case, and somebody, like, brought up to me, like, well, you know, he was just a game manager in Seattle when they were – yeah, he was, you know. But but there was a point where Russell Wilson was a top five to seven quarterback in the league. Russell and Wilson highlights in Seattle to his passes to the back corner of the end zone. Yeah. Tyler Lockett in a back pylon to – even the in that game against win. Green Bay that we talk about, that touchdown oh he threw in that game. I mean, he, some of the stuff that he he was doing in Seattle was because they believed in him. Well, well, that was the point that I was making to the guy yeah. was that, you know, I think that the negative impact that has happened to the Broncos is more culture clash and personality than it is on field like actual like skill or you whatever trade, you trade if you could trade russell wilson get him out of there 
and get him to, I know I keep picking on Chicago. If you get him Chicago, if you get him with Pittsburgh wide receiver core and that coaching staff and that culture, if you get him to, let me say, let me see. Put him in New England. No, I mean, Mac even, Jones even, be secure. No, 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 no. But I'm just saying. But I'm if, just saying. If you had, like, if, you like, had if you had Russell Wilson down in Atlanta right now with that with that wide receiver core and that run game, like, and and the way that the way that that the Falcons celebrated Desmond Ritter scoring that touchdown, they haven't done that for Russ from the time he got there. And I think he rubbed people the wrong way with his special parking spot. He had like this big souped up Hummer or a truck or stuff like that. He has on parking spot. He had his, so he he set himself up like this elitist and he came in and he, and he didn't deliver. They don't want him there. And this is going to be a kind of thing where guys are going to be out there playing, but I don't know if guys are going to chase right. down the play they're and hopefully gonna, the effort, Yeah, you know, Tyreek Hill runs, gets a slant. Yes. It's going to be hard to catch him, but maybe if you run hard at the angle, you might be able to catch him at the three yard line. Cause he got to juke somebody else. Cause they're running hard. But if everybody just lets up and he just outruns him, he throws a piece on up, then Russ comes out there and they go three and out. The booze right. are going to come, you know, so, yeah. All yeah, right, I, so I San Francisco. So San Francisco, 30 to 12, running out the clock, 13th straight regular season win, you know, with no more than one turnover in those games. So, you know, here you are, you know, Thursday night. Then we got the battle, or at least in my mind, the battle of Baltimore present versus the battle of Baltimore past. And the Ravens are going to put it on the Colts. I don't care if it's Anthony Richardson. I don't care if it's Gardner Minshew. I remember back when Ray Lewis, you know, was still a Raven, you know, um, you know, he was always psyched up and everything. That was a big thing. Like when the Colts, when the Colts come to town, it's a big deal. Those old times. Peyton Manning. It was like you they know, were like two of the the the, the mentally sharpest. Well, well, but, but, but also just, but but just also from the storyline of that was the team that left Baltimore left in the like, middle of the night. Yeah, like like they like that was something that Ray Lewis, who's not even from Baltimore, that was something that he played up. Like you know where it was like it was almost like a Super Bowl. Like when the Colts came coming, you were gonna get the best of the Ravens. You know, um, and the Colts were just always. Even when the Colts seemed that they were the better team, they were just never able to match that intensity. Um, you know, and I think that obviously this time around, Baltimore's just the better team. Article that I read. Yeah, yeah, Baltimore's just the better team. Um, so we don't know about Anthony Richardson yet, still in the concussion protocol. So, you know, hopefully he plays. I like to see him play. Uh, but I think Baltimore wins pretty easily either way. Yeah, I think they win easily. Um, I don't. I, I don't want Anthony Richardson to take any more hits, like unnecessary ones. It's like, listen, if you're gonna run him, either teach him how to slide or run him towards the sideline so he can get out of bounds. Like, listen, you don't have to prove to me or anybody else that you're big. I don't know too many people who are six foot four, two hundred thirty five pounds of NFL muscle. You are an elite physical specimen but you're also running into a dude who's six foot two 240 pounds right and he's been doing this just as long as you if not longer yeah you don't need to collide those trains like just get out of the way yeah so uh it's my dad's favorite team always like to root for him but i think just in a football matchup rookie quarterback 
versus, you know, the protege versus the original Ben Richardson versus uh, Lamar. I like Baltimore. I think it's kind of easy to to pick Baltimore in this game. Um, yeah. So I'm going with Baltimore. That's pretty yeah. Seattle, Seattle over Carolina. You know, uh, DK Metcalf isn't practicing, but Bryce Young isn't going to play. So enough said. <laughs> Bryce Young, what happened? Because I, I didn't see that. He's got an ankle injury. Um, so it looks like he's going to be out this week from the last reports that I read right before we uh, – before we linked up. Um, so then you got Dallas over the Cardinals, you know, yeah. Dallas outscoring their opponents by 60. <laughs> there. And okay. I know I always say, wait, like I'm saying, wait four or five weeks for the college rankings, wait four or five weeks for NFL rankings and everything else. Yeah. Their, their numbers are going to be pretty inflated because I have a feeling they're, they're going to do the same thing this week It's going to be, Maybe one score for Arizona, maybe two, a couple of field goals, maybe yeah. a touchdown, then a field goal. Yeah. So three weeks are going to go by, and it's like Dallas is only giving up, you know, 20 points on the season. So it's going to look crazy, yeah. and, and Dallas fans are going to go nuts. I still have Dallas personally. Watching San Francisco tonight is like, oh, it's close. But I just feel, I just feel like the way Dallas – I think Dallas' defense travels. We did get the news today that uh, Trayvon Diggs may have, might have yes. a torn ACL, but we've been getting a lot of bad reporting. Oh, there ain't no Mike. He's out for the season. But we've been getting a lot of bad reporting this week. Yeah, we got that's the, true. the raid on the house. The raid, yeah. yeah I saw yeah, yeah. something today that said Anthony Richardson is dating or has been seen hanging out with Will Levis's, Will Levis's ex. ex-girlfriend. I uh, saw the... Odell, Odell and Kim Kardashian. Kardashian. Yeah. Uh, all kinds of like just reporting. What what, what other thing did we, did we get this week that was like they just put it out? I forgot what it was, but it, it was it was something else that's just, just as outrageous. Um, so, but they still have Stephon Gilmore. Well, the, they still have that front seven. They still got Michael Parsons, DeMarcus Lawrence. Well, the I good just, news is, the good news is, Dallas plays New England next week, and then after that, and then after that, Dallas and San Francisco. So, I got my eye on that. San Francisco, they people that knock Brock Purdy, that like that's the playbook that I want my favorite team to run like that. That style, like the screens, the different types of screens running to, to both sides. See, y'all should have just hired y'all should have hired Shanahan. <laughs> he wasn't calling that many screens. The wide receivers when he it was Sanu and, and we had Tyler yeah. Taylor Gabriel and he was running like deep middle post routes. It wasn't a lot of Matt Ryan didn't move well enough for a lot of these screens. Right, he right, the guy right. that can like turn on a dime. Um, All right. So then we got the Chiefs over the Bears, you know, no long explanation, you sure. know, Chiefs over the Bears. All right. So Sunday night, I struggled with this game. I've been going so back and forth on this game. I have no idea who's going to win this game. <laughs> but we'll just end up disagreeing because I'm going to pick the Raiders. Um. And I picked the Raiders too. I just I think about the four turnovers that Pittsburgh got. The fire. <laughs> That's what I was Canada thinking. They got two and, defensive touchdowns. 
like two in that game. Rounds, four and they still only won by one Canada, possession. And they won by four points. Uh, Something's wrong with Pittsburgh. Their quarterback isn't the guy. Oh, okay. It just <laughs> – and people always say it's too early. And I remember – because I, I used to watch a lot of Colin Cowherd, and I remember – He's a crazy GM. If he was ever a GM, he would he wouldn't last as long as he doesn't want a lot of these players to last. And he talked about uh, he uses Josh Rosen as an example. He was like, "It's okay for a team to admit that we we messed this up. We shouldn't have right, to make, keep right. staying in this marriage forever." So he's like, "They got rid of Steve Wilkes, they got rid of Josh Rosen, they hired Cliff Kingsbury, and they drafted Kyler Murray." Yes, it hasn't worked out, but they did go eleven and five one year. Kyler Murray is an exciting quarterback when he's on the field. You, Definitely, it's it's it was very the non-contact ACL tear is just it's just disheartening when you see it because he's out there by himself just scrambling, and then ACL pops, and it essentially costs you know people their jobs, and could potentially get him moved to another team next year because they're going to potentially probably be in a position to get Caleb Williams. But Kenny Pickett might not be the guy that they love because he was at Pitt. I think they probably love his attitude. But when it comes to just basic playmaking, he just he just doesn't he doesn't make the plays with the 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 person that he has. It just it just might not be the move. And the same thing with Najee Harris. He might like that combination is very similar to Desmond Ritter and Arthur Smith. I think when it works well, when everything is like laid out, you get your you get the block heel, you get a seal here, you run right down the alley. I think it's all great. But in those games where they got eight guys in the box and Najee Harris can't get off, he's averaging three point one yards a touch or two point five yards a carry, and you got to sit back there in the pocket and make the make these throws to the outside. You got you got to move the ball in the air so you can get some space to get the running game going. It just I don't know if he can do that yeah yeah and i got you yeah i mean i'm, I'm weary of garoppolo because he was like some like 16 for 24 185 yards so he's still dinking and dunking and just being handsome Kirk cousins but i need him to do like some more but see i can see this game being the way that we talked about the jets and the patriots this is you more know, likely to be like like that like, the jets and the like, like maybe maybe not as maybe not as low scoring but just the defenses standing up. thirteen to nine, starting the fourth quarter, something like that. Like yeah, something, something like three that. field goals. You know. you know, a couple of sacks. It's going to be just boring, just a dry ass game. But yep. And then we got the two games on Monday night. We got Mister Logical's MVP Baker Mayfield. You know, going up against Philadelphia. It I ain't like going to end so well for Mister Logical's MVP. No, not so much. I think he's gonna play well, <laughs> but Philly, Philly can just run out the whole Georgia Bulldogs back-to-back national championship defensive front. <laughs> I mean, literally, they don't even, like. That's the thing with Philly, and that's why I know people are calling for Brian Johnson's head. Shout out to Utah quarterback, national champion, two thousand eight Utah Utes. Uh, he's the offensive coordinator in Philly now, and people are already calling for his head. Like a lot of Philly fans. Shout out. And it, it takes a while to get things together because you got to keep in mind, they just paid their quarterback $255 million. You can't just keep calling run plays where he's taking hits from 
inside linebackers and safeties coming downhill. The, right. the scrum, the scrum, he's just climbing on top of offensive linemen laying there and he's sticking the ball out. Even guys are hitting him. It's not that much force. Uh, we saw in the Super Bowl, Chris Jones tried to jump over the line, but he didn't have his feet on the ground. So the pile just moved with him holding on to Jalen Hurts' waist, trying to get over. But it's like, yo, you have no leverage. So he's not taking he's not taking shots in that pile. But if right. you keep running these quarterback powers and stuff like that, you can't just keep doing that. You got to come up with other ways. And teams know after you pay your quarterback, he's not going to get that many shots. So maybe they're playing a little bit more physical with AJ Brown. They're doing the the whole Kobe thing where you like you're letting the other guys one run free and then you're just frustrating Brown. So maybe he spazzes on the sideline. Uh, I think Todd Bowles have figured out, but I do like Baker Mayfield and what he's doing with Mike Evans. He's doing what you know you would want your quarterback to do when he has a six foot five athletic wide receiver. Like just throw right. up, give him a chance. Right. The corner, yeah. a big corner in the league is six one. I think uh, Woolen in Seattle, I think he's one of the bigger ones. It's like 6'2", 6'3". Uh, I think Jalen Ramsey's like 6'2". There's only a handful of guys. I think maybe Xavier Howard down in Miami, he might be over six foot. But for the most part, you're looking at 5'11 and a half to six foot. So if I got a six foot five wide receiver, I'm just throwing it up. Lost. <laughs> See who comes down with it. More likely, if I it's just if it's a boundary throw, if he doesn't catch it, it's not getting picked off. Right. It'll just be incomplete. Now we punting it. It's fine. But if not, that right. third and 12, first down, touchdown, whatever the case may be. Um right. so I think Philly will I think Philly will be able to still maintain uh but yeah, so I got Philly in that one as well. And then of course the last game of the week, the Monday night game. Super Bowl rematch. Super Bowl rematch, Cincinnati and uh, the Rams. We don't know if Joe Burrow's playing. I know that he lightly practiced today. So it sounds like he's probably going to be a day-to-day close to a game-time decision. I think if Um, he's anywhere close, he's going to play. I agree, but this is my question. Just because he plays, does that mean – because, I mean, obviously, if he doesn't play, we're going to pick the Rams. But uh, but if he plays, does that automatically mean that the Bengals win? No, because he has probably one of the worst injuries for a young quarterback to have who who has, you know, he has athleticism. You know, he's a basketball player in, in high school. He's seen him get out of pocket and make throws on the run. He re-aggravated it running like he's making a throw on a run so right. it's like that's that's probably the worst injury it's probably tougher than a shoulder injury because i think a shoulder injury you could just check down where you throw the ball you don't throw it as hard right. but if you can't step if you can't drop back and step into the throw you're a sitting duck because you can't scramble and you can't get rid of the ball quick enough because you can't reset your feet it's like it's gonna be some kind it's gonna there's gonna be like a split second for each movement that he's gonna lose. Um, I'm picking LA because LA's whole, they're playing with confidence. Um, I think playing to a one possession game last week, granted, was a an odd point spread Vegas conspiracy field goal. Like yeah, he said he I didn't know. Think, I don't think the billion 
the billionaire owner of the Los Angeles Rams cares about the Vegas point spread. He's married to a Walton. I'm pretty sure there's enough money to go around. I mean, damn, his name is it's owned by a bank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure they're fine. But yeah, I got I got LA. Even if he does play, I got LA. Okay. All right. Well, if he plays, I'll take Cincinnati. But you know, otherwise, you know, yeah, it'll be the Rams. But then we got showdown Saturday. You know, starting at high noon, take three steps, turn and fire Seminoles and Tigers from Death Valley. You know, so you know my thoughts on the game. You know, I know the spread is only two and a half. Vegas always knows something that we don't know, but this is my thought process. I watched Florida State. I, I saw Florida State play a bunch of zone against BC. And Florida State should never play zone for the rest of the season. And from the season, from the beginning of the season, Mr. Logicals heard me say it over and over and over. And I said it a few times as we've recorded on this show. Clemson just doesn't have the playmakers at receiver. So if I'm Florida State, I'm jamming, I'm pushing, I'm physical, I'm going to make the refs throw flags, you know, and I'm going to make them show that they can get open. Now, Kate Klubnik is athletic enough to take off from the pocket and pick up some yards, some timely first downs. He's the number one dual threat quarterback. Yeah, so, but I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I will let Kate Klubnik get five or six yards here and there to save the big play. Um, Florida State, you know, they were up 31-10 on Boston College last week. Obviously, they sat on it, and they just it just didn't work out that well because BC was able to come back. But um, I think they needed that game. If they would have beat Boston College the way they should have, like 41-7, to something along those lines, you run the risk of being overconfident. Because this season for Florida State, Jordan Travis, quarterback from day one in spring training or spring camp, has been saying, like, this is our year. Like everybody came back. A bunch of us could have went to the NFL. We got the experience. We took our lumps and now we're here. Well, a couple of weeks ago, you heard me say Texas was playing for Alabama. Everything Texas did was for that Alabama game. That's how I feel about Florida State. And I know it's cliche, but I feel like they got up 31 to 10 on Boston College and they looked towards Death Valley and they said, we ready, and then they weren't. So I think they needed that, you know. I think they needed that wake-up call of, no, you still got work to do because they haven't beat Clemson since 2014, you know. And Clemson has a national title-winning coach two times over. So you don't want to – yeah, so you don't want to discount Clemson at all. And in the original preseason projections – I picked Clemson to win this game, you know, but now after seeing what I saw, because everybody's saying, well, look at Clemson. They're back. Look at their offense. And you know who they beat? They beat Florida Atlantic, who got destroyed by the Ohio Bobcats, and they beat Charleston Southern, who not only is an FCS team, their FCS team that went 2-8 and eight last year. So... Clemson's just going to have to show me. And if I'm wrong, I'll come on here when we come back in and I'll admit that I was wrong. But until then, Chief is rolling. 
We planting the spear on that tiger paw. I'm with you. I like the older quarterback versus the younger quarterback matchup in college uh, football. I think uh, Stetson Bennett's could. Bless you. Oh, excuse me. I think he showed us that. Um, just the older, mature quarterback, the guy that can just kind of get people to rally around him. You have talent in Florida State. I think the Duke loss is still a blueprint for a team that can match, like a team that's as as athletic as Duke. They can just look at that and say, okay, this is the blueprint. Because the wide receivers never got off the line. They weren't getting open a lot. It was very physical. They were coming down the hill on K. Cobbling. Even the last play when he slid, it was like they were putting a hat on a hat. Granted, like we talked about that whole dead ball foul, yada, yada, yada. Should have been, we thought it should have been Clemson's ball. But Klubnik was moving. Like I said, when he chased when he chased that guy, chased the safety down off that fumble, it's like, okay, how come they're not using him more in that aspect? I think Florida State has the horses to to, to cut that off. But I mean, Dabo at home, like his his career winning percentage is like near sixty percent uh, or eighty percent. Uh, his bowl record bowl record isn't great, but you know he's he's a good coach. 15, 16 years coaching at Clemson. I think he'll have him ready. But at some point, you need playmakers to make big plays. And I just think Florida State just has the playmakers that are going to make the, the plays when it matters. Yeah, so now I'm in a catch-22, right? Because, like like I said, originally I had Clemson winning this game, and then they would meet up in the ACC title game since there's no divisions anymore, and Florida State would get revenge. Now I'm scared that, Florida State will win this game and then lose the ACC championship game. <laughs> so now I don't know what I want anymore. I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted. Just got to uh, let it play out. Got to let it play out. Yeah. But then you got uh, old Lane. Old Lane running his mouth. Starting at about, 3.30. About Nick Saban and the whole castle crumbling and who's calling the defensive plays. And my whole thing is like I keep hearing everybody saying, He's trying to get in Nick, Nick Saban's head. And I'm like, you don't think people tried that before? Yeah, this you is think- a new thing. So, so like, this is my thing, right? Um, Quinshawn Juckins, you know, Quinshawn Juckins, you know, ran for uh, 5.7 yards per carry last year, 1,600 yards or so, or he had 16 touchdowns, you know, ran, you know, for a lot of yards. My notes, I don't have my updated notes in front of me, but anyway, uh, but this year, he's only averaging 3.7 yards per carry. You know, so Jackson Dart has been Ole Miss's leading rusher. And that is not a formula because Jackson Dart is not a Lamar Jackson. He is not a Anthony Richardson. And, oh, by the way, he's not a Jalen Milroe. He's so, Zach Wilson from, yeah, so, from the so same he's hood. Leading, yeah, so him leading you in rushing. Bama usually has trouble with running quarterbacks but it's usually those type of cam newton dudes that like their job is to run and make things happen jackson dart theoretically the move is jackson is in the pocket making throws hence the name jackson dart you know now jalen Milrow, you know got the starting job back you know nick saving with the big middle finger to crimson tide nation you know, but this is the problem that I have. And I told Mr. Logical this before we came on. You know, everybody's talking about how bad Jalen Milrow is. 
I told you that I didn't think he was that good and how he had the turnover problems. But then they went out here and lost to Texas, who's number three in the nation. And you're going to sit up here and talk about how bad he is. Well, then don't tell me Texas is good. That's another one of those college football things. You're overrated, but I still got to give credit to the team that beat you. So Jalen Milrow is the best chance that Alabama has to win going forward. Now, if they if, if Lane Kiffin would have kept his mouth shut, I would have thought about taking Ole Miss in this game. You know, spread's only six and a half last time I saw it. You know, I would have thought about it. But now I think Alabama is going to put the anaconda on them and squeeze them. And, you know, Mr. Logical was talking about Patriots and Jets, you know, 20 to 3, 20 to 6, something like that. I think it'll be a little bit better than that. But I could see like a 24 to 13 type game where Ole Miss just never gets off the ground. Because a few years ago, Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin did the talking. Mm-hmm. And, and they lost, they were down 21 nothing at halftime. They lost 42 to 21. He went for three fourth downs in the first half of that game and didn't get none of them. And people said, You see how close Ole Miss was? And I said, Yeah, Ole Miss was close enough that if their coach wasn't calling them dumbass plays on fourth down, they might have actually won. Last year, it came down to the last possession 30 to 24. So Ole Miss is right there with Bama. You just should have kept your mouth shut, dog. Uh, I'm gonna go bold prediction here. Okay, I'm gonna, t- like I'm gonna take old. I'm gonna take old Miss. Okay, okay. I'm gonna take old Miss simply because we haven't seen Alabama put a good, good game on film this year. Okay, I know it's been uh like this foregone conclusion a lot of times with Alabama, where he's like, they're gonna figure it out, they're gonna figure it out, and it works like that in college football because we talked about the schedules all the time and you'll have you know in the way they set it up you'll have you know you'll have your game your winnable game week one or you play like a tough road game tough out of conference matchup like a game against iowa iowa state or something like that neutral field and then you come home you get maybe a conference opponent you normally beat like a vanderbilt and then you get you know south florida that's supposed to be your 40 to 3 game that's supposed to be the game to where everything you worked on this week in practice that was working translates right to the field. It didn't happen for Alabama. So I don't know if you come out against a 3-0 and confident, a confident head coach, a quarterback, you know, that's equally as confident, probably borders on, you know, cocky, however you want to describe it, you know, transferred from us like he was went to graduated in utah cottonwood heights high school went down the usc transferred old miss they did the whole instagram video and the bentley all of that you know so i just think that the the quarterback position being so shaky for lack of a better word for alabama i think that's combined with Ole Miss being just confident from the quarterback standpoint. And they have more rushing yards this year in Alabama. They, I think they can get over the top on the defense. So one or two of those plays, and now you got Jalen Moreau trying to throw these bombs. Like, I, I want to pick Nick Saban, but I can't. 
I'm, I'm it's a rival it's lane funny. It's funny because just what two three weeks ago you were the one. Oh, you're going to pick Bama to lose at home twice? twice? If they would have won forty-one <laughs> to three last week, I'd have been like, "All right." Like last week, and we talked about this earlier. Maybe that you said that was like uh, Nick Saban's. Hey, listen, I'm showing you what. We like got. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. And then you said there was rumors of suspension. We haven't confirmed that, but that's like some of this. At this point, we can't trust the reporting unless we hear it straight from the coach. And even then, right, it's like kind of right. iffy. That was the game they should have won 41 to three. Right. 38 to seven. That's the game 100%. where it should have been like every player on US, USF should be like thinking, do I want to go play basketball now because I got my ass kicked <laughs> so bad? But right now, yeah. they're thinking like, oh, we held. Alabama, you know, they look terrible. They only scored 17 points. Yeah, but I have to keep my eye on them the rest of the season to see how this uh plays out. I I know? it's like like I said, you're like you're always you're always waiting for the other other schedule right now. Oh, good. look who they got this weekend. UCF got uh JT Daniels this weekend. And Rice? Yeah. You never know. It might be that might have been a confidence boost keeping it yeah. keeping yeah. it. Yeah, then they go to Navy close. next week and then the week after they play against Trent Dilfer. You know, so yeah, there you go. So, so uh yeah. but yeah. I'm, take, I'm so taking then, Ole Miss. All right, well, let's take it on over to South Bend for the game that has been driving me nuts trying to pick it. Ohio State coming in to play the Irish. Um, so I went through a couple of phases here. My original thought was I went back to last year's game, you know, uh, Ohio state won 21 to 10. It was a 10 to seven game in the third quarter. Um, and then Ohio state took the lead with about 17 seconds left in the third quarter. They went on to win the game. They had CJ Stroud, you know, Notre Dame did not have, Sam Hartman. It was Marcus Freeman's first game as a head coach. Ohio State is his alma mater. You know, emotions running high, all that good stuff. First time coach. And Notre Dame just wasn't able to recover. Now, fast forward a year. They got Sam Hartman's. CJ Stroud is gone. I just feel that, like Mr. Logical said, you know, you know, the, the older quarterback versus the young quarterback. But the problem is going to make the play. Yeah. But the problem is Ohio state just got so much damn talent, you know, in their running game, you know, Travion Henderson, you know, uh, the receivers, Emeka Ibuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. This is year two of Jim Knowles running that defense. So I got to imagine that their defense is going to be better, but Ohio state screwed me. Because they played Western Kentucky, Indiana, and Youngstown State. So I have no idea. But they put up 63 points. That's efficiency. That's like Alabama should have put up 40-something points. Because most teams don't put up 60 points in a season and then come back and have a letdown in a toss-up game when they are the the, the superior talented team. You normally don't come all the way back to a loss. But then Notre, Notre Dame, Dame always, me. you because know, they, they, they screwed me because they played Navy, Tennessee State, <sighs> Central Michigan, and then they had like a five-hour lightning delay with NC State. So I don't know what either one of these teams are right now. 
So, I've been thinking about it all week. I've been going back and forth. I'm going to pick Notre Dame. I'm going to take Ohio State. I'm going to take Ohio State. Um, Even though it's in South Bend, it'll it'll feel like a long-distance home game. Because yeah. Ohio State fans just travel. We'll, we'll talk about yeah, they're right next door anyway. Yeah. Right next door, they probably already got the caravans and the, the buses and everything already set up now, and it's Thursday night. Well, well the good so news they're probably for Ohio people State, already took Friday off. They already they're already headed west the, towards the good. You know, the good news for Ohio State is that Notre Dame is not rowdy. You know, like they pack their stadium, but it's not like a. It's not like going to the big house. It's not like going to Happy I think Valley. The, I think the I think the fact that it's Notre Dame is like the that's the the it's the aura, yeah, the aura the touchdown the Jesus gold and the helmets, yeah. Um, especially if they if they jump on top, I just think that when in doubt, young quarterback throw it up to the consensus number two pick in the NFL draft, right. You know, whose dad right. was a legend in the state of Indiana. So I'm pretty sure he's comfortable in that zip code or that area code. So I think that's that's the key. Because you, you talked about the talent. They've only given up 20 points defensively. Because even against bad teams, you put, you're going to put some backups in and they're going to get a cheap touchdown, maybe two. Uh, you'll put the backup quarterback in. He bobbles the snap. That hadn't happened. So the right. fact they are, you know, that many points in the in the plus column, like you know, seventy points or so, seventy almost ninety right. points. Right. I'm gonna say that, and and they're just they're always there. Ohio State is just always there. They always have the five star talent. They get right. the transfers. They just they're always reloading and never rebuilding. Whereas Notre Dame gets Hartman. They got him mixed with their recruiting talent. Maybe a few other people in the travel. The transfer portal and Notre Dame does have the leading rusher in the nation too, but like I said, the the, the opponents that they played, I just don't know what it means. Yes, you know, so we'll you know, see. Sometimes it's just a matter of like, hey, they have 320 pound line in, in Notre Dame every year. They always have an NFL ready offensive line. Probably every team in the NFL of the thirty two NFL teams, I bet you Notre Dame probably has a starter on probably like 12, 12 <laughs> or fourteen of them on the offensive line. Or a tight end, or in that that physical trench, that trench area, they're yeah. always really good there. So I think they're going to be able to overpower the teams. But conversely, Ohio State also has starters in the trenches. So all right, I'm gonna go is with that. Time? I go with that. Is it time? Is it time to for people to start jumping off the Colorado bandwagon? Well, I was just gonna say, is it time to go to Otson? That's all I was gonna say. But uh, since you brought that up. No, it is not time for people to jump off the bandwagon because I think that even the biggest Colorado people don't expect Colorado to win this game. You are talking to the wrong people because I've seen a thousand posts about Colorado football in the last three days. It is, I, I mean, I like it. And I was watching the Raw Room and they were talking about normally, man, 1030 at night, Colorado, Colorado State. I'm not watching that game, but it was like nine million people. Nine million people watch that game, and that's the people that could get it. You know, that were getting it from. And that's a game against a G five. Yeah, so that's that's a legit. That's that that's that's a game. That's like a game game. 
No, um, I don't. I don't I like think. No, I think that if this week, that's I think that that works. Uh, I think that if Oregon wins this game, and if they win it like we say they, or like most people think they should win it, so twenty, they're twenty-one point favorite. I think. I think the Colorado people already have the built-in excuse, right? They're gonna say it's year one. They only won one game last year. He's already won three games. It's a it's, it's gonna be excuse after excuse. Like listen, which is listen, don't talk, it's not don't an talk, excuse. Don't talk about the boss like that. It's, it's, I mean, it's not an excuse. It's it's <laughs> it's not an excuse. It is the truth. But the problem is, is that I think they can win though. I think they can win too. I just don't think they will. I th- I think if I had to the 21 point especially without Travis is the part that's kind of blowing my mind because Oregon hasn't really been beating top power five talent. Like they went Correct. to Hawaii and Hawaii is pretty terrible. Right. Um yeah, they beat uh Texas Oregon's Tech known, their big win. The team that lost to Wyoming. Yes, and Oregon is known for they they are hype. They are the show. They're the Nike school. And then the head coach has been, he was saying stuff like he was talking in the preseason, like in the coaches meetings and things like that. It's like, what kid wants to go to Colorado? And I think people just thought that Dion wasn't going to be able to get the players and the fans to rise to the occasion I get a lot of like inspirational videos and stuff on Instagram because part of my algorithm amongst like others. I get like sports clips, highlights, inspirational videos. And what I've been seeing recently is like what a difference a year in your life can make is like. And I've seen it in different forms. But the one I saw this week was it was a picture of the opening week 2022 season for Colorado, the audience. And it was bare. It was basically like. It was like one of those bowl games that they play in the rain in the middle of nowhere. It's like bear. And then it's like <laughs> difference a year can make it's like your one phone call, one email, one text message, one decision away from your life being this much better in a year. And then they show, you know, the home opener, mm-hmm. but the stands are packed. I don't think that the other coaches around who have to play, you know, Colorado, I don't think they thought that he would have that kind of impact, mainly because they probably did. They had never seen it through whatever levels that they coached, and they never seen that kind of impact. So I think it's a situation where there is a slight bit of worry amongst the other coaches because they said a lot of this stuff preseason. Right. When everyone thought it wasn't going to work. Right. And then last week with them being down, and then Shador taking him down the field the way that he did. And then Colorado being able to flip, flip that switch. Yes, they were favorites. But that favorite stuff goes out the window when it's the fourth quarter and you're down 11. Or you're down 8 from the two-yard line. And you could turn around. Like, you could be as a coach. Like, oh, yeah, they were favorite. Like, Vegas has nothing to do with it. When you see that action happen. When you see the adjustment that they made just in the latter half of the fourth quarter. So mm-hmm. Oregon's like, if we don't jump on top of them and we're in this and then Dion's on the sideline telling players he loves them after they drop passes or if they after they run the wrong route or if they get beat defensively and he's hugging them, he hadn't chewed anybody out. 
when he when he stuck his arm up and and wiped the blood off his mouth and stepped away, it's like people see that. The players see that. Like unlike the other football team that plays in Colorado, Denver, they rally around these central figures on their team. And I think, yes, they don't have the trench players that can win those battles, but they have when on that scoring drive, he said, I, I told him, give us four plays. Four good hey, plays yeah. Give me four good plays. Mm-hmm. And and not not you haven't done this all game long. It's give me four good plays from now. And they went on the score, a touchdown on that drive, two-point conversion, touchdown in overtime, kicked the, the extra point, another touchdown, two-point conversion. So they scored on three straight drives. All pressure pack drives, and then defensively came up with the game stealing interception. That carries over, and Definitely. I think all the stuff that these coaches have been saying for like the last few weeks, I think that's enough. I'm, I'm picking Colorado in this. Okay, I'm, pick, I'm picking I'm Oregon. Colorado. I just think I just think that when you get to this level of opponent, you know, and especially you know playing USC next week as well, same thing. Like I think that's where the depth matters. You know, so like they have the talent, uh, you know, their ones and everything like Shadur, uh, Jimmy Horn, uh, Dylan Edwards. They have the talent to go toe to toe with Oregon. But Oregon can dig into that bench as well, you know, so I think that's where in, in their defense from the standpoint of. They, no Travis Hunter is tough. I know that I, I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No Travis Hunter. Not and then, and then, but not only that, but but just just CSU was going up and down that field. You know what I mean? They were going up and down, and it was mostly the same concepts, too. You know, yeah. so it wasn't even it was like awesome C- yeah, it wasn't like film. Now you have it. Now you have this is where you guys were wrong. Because they adjusted to it. And Colorado, like we talked about it, they should have gone for that fourth down instead of punting it. But yeah, they should have went for the two point conversion. Yeah. As they, Colorado got better at defending that crossing route. Um, Who caught one? Because they threw one. It was number two, I believe. He caught one and it was like third or five, third and five. And he ran straight out of bounds because everyone stayed home. It was like, Deion said, it was just a matter of like doing your job. So I think those guys did their job and they made that adjustment late. And now you have all this terrible stuff on film. Like, you know, learning. You can learn from a win. You can learn more from a loss. But they were manhandled. So I think they have enough film to say, yeah, they stormed the field. But, you know, these Rams. They do that a lot, though. That wasn't a CSU thing. They do that all the time. Like, so that was that's just the media media just doesn't watch Colorado a lot and made a big deal about it. You know what I mean? That's basically what it boils down to. But but yeah, I think that um I think that it's gonna be a better game than 21 points. You know, it may get to that in the end, but you know what I mean. But I think that Colorado's gonna have a good showing. I don't think they're gonna have a reason to I don't think people are gonna have a reason to jump off the bandwagon if they lose. I just think that if they lose, it's just gonna be that whole you know, oh, well, what do you expect? They were playing against this team, or what do you expect? It was just but year the re- one. And the reason it has to be that way is because people – It's because people just like, can't – people just the, the can't conver- live in the moment. The conversation week to week wasn't – I think the conversation week to week was just so 
hyperbolic. It just was so just. But that's my point, these, though. You can't, you can't talk about. Like, listen, he's not going to change college football. Dion but that's the but Dion that's the point though. You and can't I think throw that's rocks. Why people have the, exco- the excuses because I don't really think it's but, an excuse. I think it's just a matter of excuse. Just, no, that's an excuse. That's an excuse. You no, can't throw rocks excuse. and hide your hands. I can't sit up here on sports reports as ordered and say <laughs> Florida State is going to the playoff, and then when they go nine and three, say, "Well, what do you expect? Miami's their rival. It's okay if they lose to Miami. You ain't gonna let me get away with that. You are gonna be like but that's the thing." You know, you, you, you as you as a uh, as a, a sports aficionado that you are, you can't get into and allow the the banter to be the story. So the people no, who come but, out, who, the people who come out with the excuses, don't know football. Like I said, we know that their defensive line play and offensive line is not on par with the upper echelon team. Right. Right, right, as, right. As they're ranked 19 right now, the teams one through 18, most of them probably have a better offensive defensive line than Colorado. We know that. The Rock wearing a number two jersey at game day at seven, eight o'clock in the morning. Even though he should and, be wearing orange and green. And Lil Wayne coming out with his jersey with Tucci on it. like Even though he should they, be wearing purple they, and gold. They are there for the the excitement that Dion brings you cannot have conversations with those people so only the people who are who are there for the the atmosphere are going to say stuff like oh well what do you expect other people like if like I said I pick Colorado and if Oregon wins I will say in these particular moments of the game, this is where the game was won and lost because I'm a person that's actually watching the game and paying attention to like the nuance of the game. All these other the people who are on the outside who are just constantly posting the 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 the, the memes and everything else. I don't say their opinion doesn't matter because everyone's opinions matter, nah. but their opinion won't be based in fact that, nah, that I'm just keeping that same energy. People. That's all I I'm think doing. the energy is. But the people you're going to get the energy from are yeah, people who right. are going to evaluate the game. Is those are, those are two separate different, two separate groups. No, it's I like know, but it's still annoying. Hip hop coming it's out still annoying. like people who don't know hip hop coming out saying something like, "Oh, uh, Macklemore is the the greatest white rapper ever because he did you know he won these Grammys for this." It's like, okay, well, do you know hip hop or you just know that Macklemore was popular? when you were in middle school or whatever the case may be. So it's a different conversation than someone who's been a hip hop head since 88. You're not going to take the same, you're not going to take the the person's consideration who just bloviates this one random statement about this little bit of hip hop that they know over the person who's been a hip hop head for damn near 40 years. So that's the difference. So the people who are going to come up with the excuses, even the people in some of these groups, I'm like, yo, you guys know you're going over overboard with some of your, expectations of a first year coach at a school that is behind the power curve, so to speak. Right. Well, I know uh, back in the, when Colorado left for the big 12, when they made the announcement, Dan Lanning said something along the lines of well, what is Colorado won anyway. So now it's personal. <laughs> you, know what I'm saying? Like you know, what else you got for us? We got, I mean, we got the another outstanding uh, team from the mountains. Talking about the Utah Utes. Yeah. Uh, Camp Rising. 
still figuring out if he's gonna play or not. Uh, if he, can, I like, I like the two quarterback system because you have the traditional pocket passer, and then you have your running passing quarterback. I don't like the uncertainty of it, mm-hmm. but I think the uncertainty of it does help Utah because UCLA won't be able to key in. Cause I think that's what was catching Florida off guard. Florida was playing flat. And then when they brought in the speed guy, they were like, they weren't playing instinctive football. That's why he was getting, he was getting to the second level so quick because they weren't playing instinctive. And then the, uh, the p- pocket passer was able to kind of pick them apart because guys were just out of position. I mean, but they had like a couple of bonehead penalties in that game. They had the penalty with the number infraction. I've never seen that call before where two guys are both wearing the same number, but Utah took advantage of stuff like that because Utah tends to have a lot of older players. A lot of guys don't leave early. They don't get a lot of blue chip guys. They get a lot of Juco transfers. They get a lot of three-star guys out of high school. They get a lot of uh, Pacific Islanders that, you know, they just, they're already built like grown men a lot of times. Like you live down Utah. If anybody's wants to see, like, just be amazed at the size and speed of someone. We talk about black athletes all the time. You know, Demian Clowney, 6'5", Cam Newton, 6'5", 250, Anthony Richardson. Go to Utah and go to some of these high school games and see some of these Polynesian and Tonkin football players moving around. Look at the rugby team from like New Zealand and like like these guys are big and they move. Like I remember one time I was in the Denny's and I was behind this guy. He had to be six foot eight, 450 pounds. He was built like a wide TV, just huge. Not walking with a limp, just straight up. Like this is this is how I walk around. I am this big of a human. And if I if I would slap him and try to outrun him, he would have caught me for sure. <laughs> so like Utah just always they they just been able to recruit Texas and California well, even a little Florida. Uh Tyler Huntley, Pro Bowl quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens with the Utah out of Florida. So I think the matchup, I don't think they're out athleted at, at the matchup positions with UCLA. And I mean, obviously I'm picking Utah anyway, just because I'm like, I'm not gonna pick UCLA. I like California. I like the road. I've been there. I went there for a very, 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 very entertaining fireworks show back in 2010. Um, but yeah, I'm yeah, going so, with Utah. Uh, so Utah is seven and four against UCLA since they joined the Pac 12, including five of the last six. Last year they had last year it was UCLA's win. Uh-huh. Um Utah also has a Utah also has a 16 game home winning streak on the line. So it's tough to play out. So so this is what I like. I like Dante more. I think he's going to be the truth. I think he may end up as the best quarterback in UCLA history. But to get to history, you got to have a starting point. And I think this weekend he's going to get welcomed to college football in a way that he hasn't been welcomed just yet. So I think Utah is going to win. Uh, I did have Utah on upset alert. So I do think it's going to be a close game. But I think I think Utah is going to pull it out. I like it. I like where your head's at. 
this is a good week of college football. So I got Colorado, got Ohio State, I got Utah, I got so we got Iowa, Penn State. Yeah, so you know, uh keep your eye on this game, not from the point of an upset or anything, but these two when they get together, it's just always entertaining. It's always wild. I still remember the six to four game back in 2004 you know so um i was in trouble though uh they're down to their third string running back you know their defense still good but it's not the same as it was the past two years uh penn state's defense i think looks a bit more like iowa's defense that we think of when we think of iowa they were uh, tough. Drew, watched a couple yeah. of games they were flying yeah. around yeah, Drew Aller's at home. If this was in Iowa, I'd think about it. Um, I saw the spread at 14 and a half. Uh, I think this is going to be another one of those specials, you know, 23 to 6, 23 to 9, something like I just don't see where Iowa gets points from, you know. So, yeah. and they haven't been great at scoring a lot of points. And it just happens to be the whiteout. The whiteout game is tough. That yeah. is a tough game. It's a tough environment. I think it's well over 107,000. Yeah, I believe yeah. Yeah, some, so. something crazy like that. And I think even then they do like standing like they they do some stuff to try to break records in some of these college stadiums. And it's just to think about that many that atmosphere. And you know, Iowa, we talk we talk about this at nauseum at some point where they have their the office of coordinators point total that he has mm-hmm. that's a lot of pressure considering that he's the head coach's son so but this is my question what if they fire the coach fire the son but what if they don't hit their goals right like what if they don't get the 341 points or whatever or 325 points or whatever it is but they go nine and three and get to the big 10 championship game does he still get fired <laughs> I, I hope that that's just bad reporting that we actually have that because I don't I can't imagine you lev- leveraging something like that on a guy preseason. Everybody, well, maybe your job's on the line, you know that. But you give me this arbitrary number I got to hit. What if the dad steps down? Maybe the dad step. No, maybe the dad steps down and the son becomes the head coach. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll send them packing. We're not signing any more checks with the name Ferentz on it after this buyout. <laughs> yeah, so that, I think that'll be a good game, nice Big Ten game. Uh, I, like I said, I'm excited about college football. I think, I think having this being the final year to Pac-12, a lot of, a lot of attention, a lot of late games. Pac-12. I mean, Dion, they or not Dion, but Colorado played TCU at noon their first week. Mm-hmm. And then for them to be able to flex all the way down to the 1030 slot and get that many people and then given the given a good game. Mm-hmm. I think uh Notre Dame being back is always good. Ohio State just being there. Michigan, it doesn't even feel like Harbaugh suspended. It seems like no one even Yeah, this is his first game it. back. So it's just Texas, te- Texas, Texas being back is so good for college football. Because it's just it's just Texas. You can you can make I think just the NFL Hall of Fame off just players from Texas. 
just think about like, you know, you ever see that videos like you're they asked all these coaches who's the best high school football player you ever seen from the state of mm-hmm. Texas. And, you know, you have some younger coaches, some older coaches. And they talk about Kyler Murray. It was like, yo, he went he won all of his high school games and won three consecutive state championships. Adrian Peterson, Earl Campbell, Matt Stafford, uh, Matt Stafford, Johnny Manziel. Who else was, was a, a lot of classic names? Drew Brees, yeah. Nick Foles. Yeah, RG3 won the Heisman. RG3. Uh, it's a lot of guys with like Texas high school football. So Texas being back, I hope I hope their run continues. I I I like I said, I like because it's 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 bad when it's down. It's bad when these top teams are down because then you're just selling me stuff. You're just giving me just whoever you got. I love Alabama being up. I just think that they might have dragged their feet on getting a replacement for Bryce Young. They should have got Sam Hartman. That, that they should have had somebody in just the like portal. Spencer, Spencer Sanders comes to my mind. Like he was the starting quarterback at Oklahoma State, transferred, went to Ole Miss, and now he's sitting behind Jackson Dart. Like he could have been he, starting in Alabama. Yeah, he could have been they starting in Alabama. Him. Yeah, he could have been starting unless in they feel something, some type of way about Milro. Um, you know. Well, I but mean, Milrow, I, like I, said, Milrow, I guarantee you they're going to get – he he looked a lot like uh, – He's not bad. I, he just, I hate comparing black quarterbacks to bad black quarterbacks, but he looks a lot like Justin Fields where he's just like the throws there, you, your, your body has to tell – like your brain has to tell your body to throw the ball. Like well, you I have think, to trust – you have to trust whatever you study and it's there. And because we, we, we talked about – like that meme that we they were sharing in a group with Justin Fields, like you know, right. topic. I looked at the play live. Granted, it was in slow motion. I was like, two guys crossed right in front of him, wide open. Either one of them could have gotten the ball. He didn't pull the trigger at all. I saw a lot of that with Milro against Texas, where it's like he was getting the plays off. I mean, I mean, he was he had the play call and was like, listen, your third read probably won't be there. They have fresh defensive linemen coming in for Texas. Your third read's not there. So if you get your first one, your second one, and then go slide, get out of bounds, whatever the case you and it just felt like he was waiting for that third read to get open. I'm like, the third read doesn't get open while you're standing. It's not coming. It's not well, coming well, open while you're standing in the pocket. Like if you move and he's coming across your face, yeah, he'll probably get open. But if you're standing in the pocket waiting on your third read to come across and show and get open before you let the ball go, probably not going to happen. Well, this is the gift and the curse of a quarterback. And this is the gift and the curse of playing for Alabama. You know, when you play for Alabama, is national title or bust every year. You know, that's the expectation. When you're in, you know, you saw Bryce Young, hit the ground running, Mac Jones hit the ground, you know, so on and so forth. But people got to remember, Jalen Milrow played, he started two games last year because Bryce Young was hurt. And they won both games, put up 42 in one of those games against Arkansas. And then they beat uh, A&M on the infamous Jimbo said the player's name, you know, whatever. This year, they played Middle Tennessee State, 
and you know they played Texas. So we're talking about a dude that's played in four games. You know what I mean? Like it's not always just gonna. I'm not saying that he has he has to be he has to be like this all world guy, but he's been at the school. No, not you, but I'm talking about everybody else. But just in general, like like, I think he it should be clicking the same way Jalen Hurts, McCorkle, and Tua were all in the lock the quick QB room together. They weren't all playing, but when they got on the field, they hit the ground running because they had been in the program for a couple of years, and then Jalen had transferred to Oklahoma. And just, you know, granted, he if I remember correctly, such... I thought Milrow was a freshman last year. Uh, no, he. I think he. I, I think he's a got freshman. a couple of years. Let me see. I'm gonna look it up real I quick. This, but, I think uh, this might be his third year in the program. Okay. You know, but but yeah, like I don't know. Like I just feel that, like, you know, like I said with the quarterback stuff. You know, this is just what we do. I mean, he's only 20, so. You know, he's been there maybe this is his second year, you know. So that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, I don't like and he was behind Bryce Young. So how many reps was he getting? Like, you know, how many mental reps are you getting in the meeting when you're listening to Bryce Young break down the play? Like, I don't know, but you also got a new offensive coordinator, too. You know, like so it's not as if everything is the same because they had Bill O'Brien, who's now up in Foxborough. So now they got Tommy Reese, who's, you know. Coming in from Notre Dame, like I told you, and I told America did a bunch of times. Did he bring his own playbook, or did he get what Nick Saban gave him? Say, hey, this I think he brought. I think year. he brought his own playbook, and that's why coming into the season, a lot of the aficionados and you know people that talk to talk to the team and everything, they were thinking that Tyler Buckner was going to be the starter because he had that leg up on the playbook from being from being, from being at Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Right. And, you know, so now that's why I said I think that there was a couple of things at play here. I think that either, you know, like I said, Nick Saban told everybody, like, look, I know what I'm doing, X, Y, Z. Or Tommy Reese came in there and was like, hey, this is my system. Let's try it out for a few weeks or whatever, blah, 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 blah. And then Nick Saban or whoever stepped in and was like, yo, but this ain't working for Jalen. So Alabama might look completely different this weekend. You if know, they go playing, back to what he knows. Yeah, if they go to a style or system that actually be a running back that looks eerily like Derrick Henry in the backfield. <laughs> you know, but uh, but yeah, Rod so, Rick Henry. Who is this? <laughs> yeah, but before we get out of here, before we get out of here, you know, what I'm saying it's it's time to play the upset game. You know, so we go. I'm gonna throw out some upset alerts, and I'm gonna pick some upsets. So first of all, upset alert. I got Missouri on upset alert, you know, after the big win against Kansas State. Quarterback Brady Cook is day-to-day. So, you know, they got Memphis, neutral site game in St. Louis, you know, which I guess, you know, I always hate it because it's the neutral site, but it's St. Louis. But I guess Memphis is close enough to St. Louis that, you know, they can still get some people there or whatever. But, but yeah, uh, Brady Cook's injury status is going to be big in this game. Missouri is only a seven-point favorite as is. So um, if he doesn't play, then, you know, Memphis can pull off that upset. You know, Wisconsin at Purdue tomorrow night. You know, I'm picking Wisconsin to win, but Wisconsin hasn't looked good. They're trying to fit in this new system under Phil Longo as the offensive coordinator, but we all know Wisconsin has run the ball down your throat. So, you know. guard from Wisconsin any day of the week. Yeah. So this is the thing. They've been trying to pass it 
But last week, Syracuse, you know, ran the ball 44 times and put up about 275 yards on Purdue. So the QB, the, the 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 QB fake bootleg that they fell for at the goal line and at the end of the game where he like slipped. They completely sold out for it. Yeah. Like you got to see, if you haven't seen the replay, you got to check it out. You remember when Peyton Manning did the bootleg against Dallas and everyone just assumed that Peyton Manning didn't have the ball and he was the only yeah. one lumbering over to the, to the goal, to the goal line. <laughs> the, yeah. It was the same thing. It, or when, remember Rich Gannon uh, had Ooh, the, like the okay. 70, 60 yard run against uh, the Chiefs or something like that. I think Elvis Gerbach had a long run too, but it was very similar to that. Where it's like, oh, you pulling out all the names now. Listen, man, I've, I've loved sports my whole life, man. Even yeah. when I had a little black and white TV in my room, and it's five o'clock <laughs> in the morning, and I'm ten years old, and I need to be getting ready for fifth grade. But yet, I'm watching Monday Night Football Tuesday morning because we're in Germany on a little black yeah. and white TV. Yeah, I couldn't imagine giving my kid a black and white TV right now, telling them to watch something on it. They fight. <laughs> Yeah, so you know, um, you know, then of course, you know, I said uh, I got Utah on upset alert. I think Utah wins, but you know, I'm putting them on upset alert. Uh, tomorrow night, tomorrow night, you know, I'm putting Boise on upset alert uh, against San Diego State. You know, um, I think Air Force is going to handle San Jose State. That was another one that I've heard other people say. That San Jose State could clip Air Force, but I'm gonna go ahead and stick with Air Force in that one. That, that triple option is so hard to to play against. I'm like, if that's the case, how come more top teams are in the winning major bowl games? Well, well, I think I think it depends on I think it depends on when you play them as well, because like Notre Dame played Navy and shut it down, but they had the whole offseason to prepare for it. You know, so if you're playing against these teams that are slinging it, you know, 45 times a game, and then you got to prepare for that, you know, and you don't have a bye week or something. Sometimes I can see like how that could be slightly difficult. But uh, I got Kentucky on upset alert at Vanderbilt. You know, don't forget, Vandy pulled the upset last year against Kentucky. You know, uh, Rutgers admit, no, nah, I'm not picking that one. <laughs> Even though I will have you know, I will have you know. Two out of the last three games, Michigan and Rutgers. Michigan won 20 to 13, and they won 45 to 42. So Rutgers ain't as far off as you think, but this ain't gonna happen this weekend. Um, I got so upsets that so upsets that I do have. Upsets that I do have. I do have Marshall over Virginia Tech. You know, I do have SMU over TCU in the battle Ooh. of the frying skillet. Or the flying skillet. This is probably going to be the last year of that rivalry for a long time, you know, as SMU gets ready to go to the ACC. Um, one upset alert that I thought about, but I just can't pick it, is BYU at Kansas. And the reason why I can't pick it is because Kansas is favored by 10 and a half last time, or nine and a half now. I think BYU can win that game. Only thing I don't like, and I know it's a cop out. But they just came from playing Arkansas last week, you know. So coming to play that from that SEC team, the physicality and all that, and then going back on the road again to Kansas, that just seems like a little much to me, you know. Um, 
So, so I'm just factoring that in, you know, so, but I wouldn't be shocked if BYU won that game, you know, but this week, that's about it. You know, I guess I could put Washington or Oregon State on alert, upset alert at Wazoo out at the Palouse, but I think Oregon State pulls it out. So my two upsets are Marshall over Virginia Tech and SMU over TCU. Um, I told Mr. Logical the other day, take USC over Arizona State. No matter what the spread is, <laughs> and then I figured it out, and the spread is 35. So, my Ooh. takeaway is take USC anyway, take USC in the points, take USC in the points because mm. Arizona State. This, this is funny. So, Arizona State got shut out by Fresno State last week at home, they played three quarterbacks in that game and threw five interceptions. And they're down to like their third string offensive lineman as well. So, you know, I know everybody's out there saying that USC doesn't stop anybody, but they don't have to. Arizona State's going to stop themselves. 35 points. 35 points. Yeah. This one has 52 to 7 written all written over all it. Over it. <laughs> you know, saying this is it. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So, those are my upsets. You know, that's my upset alerts. You know, um, it's tough this week because. A lot of the ranked teams are playing each other. So, you know, like usually right. when we think of my, upsets, my we upset, think of. Yeah, I, my upset is, like I said, I got Ole Miss and I got Colorado because Colorado is yeah. a 21-point underdog and Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin hasn't beaten Nick Saban. Nick Saban doesn't off. I haven't ever, I haven't seen Nick Saban with the 2-2 two and two record ever. Unless Maybe since the first age. year at. Maybe it was the first year at Alabama. I know they went six or seven. Maybe that in year. Michigan State at some point yeah. he might have been two and two, but I just can't recall. Yeah, Definitely not in the last this last inflated championship or yeah, but window that a lot of teams have been playing in. I, I I can't recall it, but I think you gotta sometimes you gotta use you gotta ignore your feelings. I've seen a few people who pick I think one team has more playmakers. I've seen a few people pick Michigan State over Maryland this weekend as well. Um, I'm not on board with that one. Um, for this they're week. in shambles. They're, like yeah. they're not. They they didn't get rid of a coach and and feel like Galvin. I think their team is just like they're they're going to lose a bunch of players. I think if they were playing like Michigan this week, you know, or, or Ohio State this week, maybe they, they could ramp back up. Well, well, not that they would wrap not, not, not that they were. They're already I, in Travis Hunter and Shador and Dion's DMs. Like, hey man. <laughs> well, not that they would ramp up per se from the standpoint of they're going to play their best game, but I just mean like the teams that they view as their rival. So, like, you know, there would be that extra juice. But like, nah, they don't care about Maryland like that for all that. Yeah, and I don't. And like I said, if realistically, if I'm think, if I'm being honest. You know what it's like. Like we've all seen when coaches get fired in the middle of the season, another guy comes in. Dion just put it out there for everybody to hear. Like, listen, I'm bringing my luggage and it's Louie. Calipari said that, but he did it a little bit more eloquently when he got hired at Kentucky because I was watching the documentary. And that's when I first found out that scholarships aren't four year scholarships. Right. So before those guys get paid, they're year to year agreements based off, and they're based off. Yeah, of so academic if you break your leg, they don't have to give it back. Yeah, so like th- there's an insurance clause in it. You know, it depends on what school, whatever the case may be, but it's probably surgery, 
and your and your whatever your doctor says your rehab time should be. You get surgery on your ankle. If the doctor says your rehab time is 40 weeks, then you're on for 40 weeks. Right. But there's right. no guarantee from the resign you. So when a new coach comes in, this like it's before pre-transfer portal, pre-NIL, you were allowed to transfer and not have to sit out a year because right. you're you know, your coach got fired. But right. what happens is that when this firing is all happening is after the other schools have already gotten their recruits for the next year. Mm -hmm. So you end up transferring from Kentucky to a JUCO or some small division one school that doesn't have, that wasn't able to recruit division one talent. You're, you're not likely to go from Kentucky to Maryland because the Maryland coach already recruited his talent from last year right. and, and he right. didn't get fired. So he's not going anywhere. So that was always like the dark side of it. So I think Dion coming out saying, Hey, I'm bringing my luggage in this Louis. Somebody's going to show up in Michigan state. They're probably going to get a big name. If they save this money on Mel Tucker's contract, they're going to be able to get, I would probably assume it's an offensive coach that you want to hire. Right. You, know, you want to, because points put people in the stands, you know, you can be the best. Yeah. And you got to compete with Ohio state, Michigan, Michigan Penn state, Penn state who constantly gets legacy players and they get the best players from Ohio that, that can't get to Ohio state. They go to Penn state. Cause it's pretty close. You got to be able to compete on all those levels. So, and you know, once Mel Tucker is officially fired, because you know he got the seven day notice, which puts us at Tuesday, the twenty sixth, is when he should be fired. The portal opens immediately, and players have thirty days to get into the portal since he got fired. So guys can go in, get in the portal, red shirt, not not risk injury for the rest of the season. I mean, I'm pretty sure guys love to play football, but. There's a guy trying to get his ninth year of eligibility down in Miami. So you can play as, <laughs> you can play as long as they'll allow it. So I imagine yeah. that there's going to be a lot of people who who transfer to some of these notable schools, quarterbacks. So like, listen, man, I know Alabama needs one, and I'm pretty sure Nick Saban probably has some relationship left to Michigan State. Oh, yeah, Alabama needs a quarterback. Yeah, speaking of transfers in Michigan State, you know, uh, I forgot to say this earlier. Uh, Keenan Coleman, you know, nine catches, 116 yards, three touchdowns against LSU for Florida State. Since then, three catches for 48 yards. So Jordan Travis, going to beat Clemson? Need to get him involved. <laughs> hey, you might want to throw it to your best wide receiver. Yeah, things. there you go. But on that note, you know, Sam, we picked our upsets. The only thing that's got me upset now is that we got to wrap this up. So, you know, thank you, everybody. You know, we appreciate the love. We love you back. And we will see you next week. Peace.